you need to go to, to the right place. You need to go to a medical practitioner that's doing things on the books. It's the not right very place. expensive. I got to tell people. I mean, it's, it's not very expensive to get really good hormone therapy. Like the, the best of the best is still not, not terribly expensive. Welcome back to another episode of Aging Backward, Growing Forward. Today, I'm super excited to have Dr. Satari, who's an incredible, knowledgeable, and, and the topic we, I wanted to talk about on hormone replacement therapy, but also functional medicine. Um, we're going to stick to the topic of hormones today because it's such an important topic. Uh, you've heard me talk about this previously. We've kind of tiptoed around it. Today's the day we're going to go up with 30,000 feet and get in the weeds a little bit. We'll try not to jump into too many rabbit holes, but if we do, I'm sure it'll be well worth it. But without further ado, welcome, Dr. Safari. Thank you, Eric. How's it going? Outstanding. So, Doc, let's just start with your background. Tell the audience a little about who you are, sure. your education, and what you currently do. Great. So um, I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, always wanted to be a doctor. I wasn't sure if I was going to actually go through with it, but I finally made the decision. And I uh, went to medical school, did my residency at um, University of Arizona in family medicine. See, Arizona is a big hub for integrative medicine. The, the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine is, is located as part of the campus, part of the program. My family medicine program was actually intertwined with that um, fellowship, so we had a lot of exposure to it. Our program director, our assistant program director, had gone through the fellowship. The fellows were actually in the same building as us. They would give us lectures all the time. They would act as our attending sometimes. We had a lot of exposure. And then we also, my residency, my residency specifically, also um, got our diplomas from the Andy Weil Center for Integrative Medicine. And that kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. And a lot of kind of uh, the fact that there was different options and different ways to do things than what we're kind of classically trained. And doctors are very what I would call classically trained. You know, we, we almost for the most part all trained away from hormones. Or if you're going to do hormones, the least amount possible for the shortest amount of time, then move on from there, right? But so so this 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 program really opened my eyes. It didn't specifically teach me hormone therapy. But it did open my eyes to the fact that different things were out there. And I took that when I graduated and just started running and started doing different programs and learning and kind of doing stuff on my own and bring it into my practice. And it's kind of blossomed into this thing that's now called True MD, uh, which is my practice here in Newport Beach. That's awesome. So, Doc, well, congratulations on, on all your, your success and, and your education. I, I always you. applaud the incredible education of, of, of these medical practitioners that are in our field. And I'm thrilled that you're, you're part of it. So I want to start off with you know, the first really general question that, that people want to know is what exactly is HRT or hormone replacement therapy and how does it work for both men and women? Okay, so the, the big answer is hormone replacement therapy is bringing back someone's hormones to a reasonable state, right? But really, I think in my practice, generally speaking, we call it more hormone optimization or hormone optimization therapy, because, um, you know, things like testosterone, as you know, normal range is like 250 to 1100. And if you're like 251, even if you're symptomatic, traditionally doctors won't like help you out in that case. Right. Um, that might be one of the widest ranges, by the way, that you ever hear 250 yeah, no. to 1100 is like insane. When you think about the, the, the distance from one to the other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, some people feel fine at 400. Don't get me wrong. You know, some people are at 400 and they feel great. And, and we'll, we got to talk about like the free and bioavailable portions of the testosterone that I'm sure we'll get into it later as well. 
But, um, you know, if, if you're at 300 and feeling crappy, like to me, you're low on testosterone, you know, especially if you're showing obvious signs of low testosterone. But traditionally, you go to like an endocrinologist who is trained classically in hormones. They're not really going to help you, right. typically speaking. Right. So, uh, and so is that, and talk, that's, so most numbers you just gave, by the way, let's qualify that. that that's for men, right? So if this of course. Is, the answer is for men and women, really what you just said. For sure. For sure. Same thing, same thing goes for women. The range is different, obviously, much, much lower range. Um, so, you know, there are obviously different ways to uh, optimize hormones, but what we want to do is A, take away um, some of the effects you're having of missing these hormones and B, give you the benefits that you would have if you've had these things optimized, right? Because they're kind of different things, right? Like a woman who's missing estrogen all of a sudden is having hot flashes, but a woman whose estrogen is like optimized also has like better brain function and bone health and stuff like that. So let's, let's talk about that because that, that's actually one of my next questions. What exact hormones are, what are the primary hormones that we're talking about optimizing? Right? There's a lot of hormones in the mm-hmm. body. Let's talk about the hormones for men that we're optimizing and then the hormones for women that you're optimizing. I would say that the ones that we look at and we optimize most often for men are going to be testosterone and then potentially thyroid as well. And then for women, it's um, you just add estradiol or estrogen to that as well. So testosterone, estrogen, and um, thyroid hormones. You know, there are a lot of doctors that are big on cortisol and, and these other things. I'm not a huge cortisol guy. I do believe that it obviously serves a huge function, but it's kind of not my forte. We have found I've often, it's funny, I, I noticed in our centers, whenever there's always this inversion, whenever testosterone is really low or salt is really high, it's, it's almost like they're very correlated. And when we, when, we're, when we improve one and reduce the other, we get like a true optimization. But you find that that stress, that cortisol, that stress hormone, when it's really elevated, um, it does have a, you know, it seems like a, a high level of suppression for testosterone. It's just see that that inversion is very common. I think what you're seeing is an unhealthy person. And, you know, those are both signs of an unhealthy person, typically speaking. That makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about some symptoms because this is really how the flags go up because, you know, and we'll talk about the, the blood work in a second, but because that tells the story, but before you even get there, what are the common symptoms like in the conditions that most people are going to see and feel? So let's talk about testosterone first because the symptoms are going to be men and women are going to be very similar and we can just kind of cover both with, with one topic. So the first thing that I love to talk about is this thing called anhedonia, right? A lot of people think low testosterone means you're going to be depressed. And if you're actually depressed, clinically depressed, it's probably not your testosterone. But if you're suffering from something called anhedonia, meaning without pleasure, right? Without, without hedon pleasure, it means the, you know, the, the person who used to love going out with their partner and going out with their friends and, you know, dancing and this and that, and now they'd rather stay home and watch TV, that's a classic anhedonia picture, right? So someone um, who's lost their testosterone over the course of five years, they've kind of changed their, they've lost their lust for life. Does that make sense? They lost their mojo, like in the Austin Powers movies, right? Um, the other things with testosterone, for sure, decreased sex drive. You're less driven, not just sexually, but also mentally. So the, the people whose testosterone gets optimized, they're like, oh man, I forgot what this is like. I feel confident again. I'm ready to talk to people again. I feel good going to my meetings again. A lot of these high-level executives come in, they get their testosterone optimized, and they're like, I'm ready to go next meeting, next meeting, next meeting. I feel good through all these meetings. Um, and then for sure, increased muscle mass, decreased fat over time, 
And then your labs will also improve, like your glucose control improves because your metabolic rate's increasing. Your cholesterol level over time, your cholesterol labs will improve. They actually have a little bit of a jump up at first, but over time, they increase. The studies on like one and two year studies show an an improved um, lipid profile, right? And then estradiol or estrogen in women, right? So a woman who has lost her estrogen, meaning she's gone through menopause, typically speaking, there's obviously other ways for this to happen whether it's from surgery or something like that where your ovaries were removed, these women will experience sudden, it's very sudden, like hot flashes, you know, sweating, irritability, up and down. Irritability is kind of like, you know, their mood goes up and down, um, difficulty handling stress, brain fog, fatigue, this sort of stuff, right? Um, you have to remember that menopause for women is a very like, you know, almost a sudden thing, a couple of years, typically speaking, but it's sudden. They're, their their labs look great, 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 and then boom, you know, huge drop. Whereas guys, I think that what they say is one percent per year after the age of thirty, yeah. decrease in testosterone, right? So, um, and again, you got to remember, one percent is not one point in testosterone. One percent is probably three points in testosterone or something like that, right? Every year, so you know, ten years, you, know, you can do the math, right? Um, yeah. So replacing estrogen for them is going to correct all those things. And it's fast, as you know. I mean, a few days. And they're like, my hot flashes are gone. My, I'm thinking clearly again. My mood's better. My family's so happy that, I'm, that, that this changed. It's like very, very quick, right? Yeah, it, it's funny you say that because yeah, I, 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 we talked offline earlier and I mentioned my wife. And it was one of those things where she had no idea. And, and twofold, two things, comments. You know, I want to go back to the comment about uh, feeling depressed. or I mean, We have... A lot of clients that come into our centers, and it's they're also have anxiety too. They're anxious. Oh yeah, yeah. With, yeah. With, you know, as part of that too, it's another huge symptom that that uh, we hear in consultations. Uh, but we talk getting to to the female, you know, the hot flashes and and sudden coming. It's because a lot of times you know, talk about the perimenopause, just these periods that they go like these are like shocking because and we're seeing it younger and younger. By the way, also I, I think we're we're noticing lab work on younger people, their thirties. That are significantly reduced hormone levels, which is, is oh, for uh, men too. Diseases. I mean, we're seeing low, and we should talk yeah. about that too. Actually, like, you know, why testosterone has gotten so much lower over, over generations, right? That's a great one. Yeah, I, you know, I do want to circle back to that because that's I, I have some thoughts on that as well that I want to ask you, and yeah. I'm hoping you can enlighten us a little bit. Yeah. But the 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 whole hot flash and 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 the night sweats, all the it's horrible because it's it's such a change in. I don't even think it's the physiology. It's also the emotional people. I call it what's happening to my body. And that it's when they realize that there is an option, right? That there, there is a way to fix it. And because it, no one, many OBs, and I know my wife, because we went to three before we learned about heart replacement therapy. This is a decade ago. Uh, because the first two just said, hey, sorry, this is your lot in life. And, and we'll bring him on for an episode. And maybe we'll have you join us again. We get to tell our story. It's an incredible story. But the first two doctors kind of just said, sorry, you know, here it is, you know, and, Sometimes they'll prescribe, you know, like some crazy thing. Like, you know, they'll, they'll say, hey, well, you could try birth control. Pill. Like they, they, they try to band-aid it, but it's a shock wound, right? It really needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Doc, let me ask you this. So, the who is like the suitable candidate for hormone replacement therapy? Like, so, like, let's talk about like age and, and timing. And, and I know this is kind of a little bit of a trick question, right? Because of what we just said. But who do you find is a suitable candidate for it? So, um, let's start with guys because it's a little bit simpler. Um, you know... If you're, I personally don't like giving men testosterone who aren't done having kids. Will will your sperm production bounce back when you stop? Yeah, probably will. You know, very likely. 
but I'm a little bit conservative in that approach. You know, there are other things that I do in my practice, some oral medications and stuff like that that will increase testosterone levels for sure. Um, but if you are still trying to have kids, you're not sure if you're done, I typically don't. If you're adamant about it and you're willing to go freeze your sperm, then we can talk. You know what I mean? Because as you know, when you take testosterone, it not only stops your own production of testosterone, but also stops your own production of sperm. So if you're done with that and you're an adult who understands, you know, the risks and benefits, then we're talking about someone who, you know, has lost pep in their step, not driven as much. You know, they want to get back. My favorite patients are these guys that are like 45, 50, 55, and they're pushing hard. They're doing all the things they got to do. They're eating right. They're working out, but they've just lost the step and they can't keep up the way that they used to keep up. They want to keep working out. They want to keep being there for their family. They want to keep being productive at work. And these guys, you give them like a new life. You, you, you boost your testosterone. All of a sudden, they're like, Doc, this is great. This is how I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I was able to function, be there for my family, be sharp, you know, be confident, all that, that sort of thing, right? With women, you know, same benefits. I'll give, I'll give sometimes younger women testosterone um, who are premenopausal. I don't give them estradiol if they're, if they're premenopausal, haven't gone through menopause yet. Um, but if you have gone through menopause and you're having any symptoms, man, you are, that's an easy candidate right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely, uh, estrogen therapy is great for them as well. And yeah. obviously, and then you manage progesterone with that. For sure. It's like a whole oh yeah. I should have added that. that. When you, that. Yeah, you asked me earlier, which hormones for sure. Progesterone is one, uh, for women as well. Yeah. And, and, and for any of our female listeners or people that are watching this, be sure, like if, if you're not meeting with someone who's as qualified as you know, doc here on this particular podcast, you need to ask those questions. Like if I'm taking, you know, if you're taking estrogen therapy, you should be magic progesterone as well. So these are just the questions you want to ask when you're, when you're getting that, but let's go back to like how we get to that point. So, so what, what would be the types of labs that they should ask for? If people listen, we, and I get this question all the time. Mm -hmm. I get my blood work done and I laugh. I'm like, right, you got your vascular glucose and you got your cardiolipid cutoff. Like yeah. that's, that's like 90% of what you see. You might need to all the little things that are on it, but rarely do you, especially with women now, almost never, does anyone ever have the hormone powder that you and I know they should take. So tell, tell the listeners, what should they be asking for in a sure. hormone paddle? So let me just touch on what you said is that, look, I'm a, I'm a classically trained MD, right? I have all the old school MD training for a healthy, you know, other, otherwise healthy man or woman below the age of 40, who's like not pregnant. There's almost nothing that they recommend. You know what I mean? You know, there's almost nothing. If you're like overweight, they'll say, okay, do um, a lipid profile or something like that. But there's, uh, you know, barring ex certain circumstances, there's, there are no recommendations on this, right? It's silly to me. Like, why are you not having some sort of baseline understanding of what your labs look like now, just in case something happens down the line, right? These guys that come in, they feel crappy and you check their testosterone and it's like 450. Well, I don't know. I mean, was your testosterone like 800 a couple years ago and now you're 450? You know what I mean? So, so important to get baseline labs and to kind of check regularly to see if there are any changes happening, right? Because a lot of these things are hidden kidney damage, stuff like that. That's hidden. You don't know what's happening while it's happening. Right. Um, so tell us like, so dive into the, the actual sure. baseline. So what would be the, the, the specific things they should ask for? Obviously yeah. overall testosterone, but you said, no, hey, you got to go a layer, a layer deeper. So let's talk about that. For layer sure. Deeper. So testosterone, 
including not just total testosterone, which is how much your body's making, but free and bioavailable portions of your testosterone, which is the usable portion of your testosterone. Everyone makes a certain amount, but they're only able to use a certain part of it because they're bound by proteins such as sex hormone binding globulin or albumin. These are proteins that go and lock up your testosterone and make it absolutely useless, right? So it's important to know how, like, how functional are this man's testicles? Like how, how much testosterone are they making or how much testosterone is this woman making? But also how much of it is freed up and usable? Um, we check estradiol levels, okay, uh, for men and women. So important for men as well. I mean, guys, don't skip the estradiol levels. Too much estrogen is going to potentially give you uh, gynecomastia, man boobs. That is irreversible. That's irreversible. That's not fat tissue. That's glandular tissue. You have to have surgery to remove your breasts. Um, too little makes you an angry person. You see these guys at the gym who are on all sorts of juice and they take estrogen blockers at the same time and they probably can't have erections and they're probably not fun people to be around. We also check um, full thyroid panels all the time. We check inflammatory, mark inflammatory markers um, as an indicator for health, inflammation, uh, heart disease, stuff like that. Um, we also check to, um, markers that look for B12 deficiency, folate deficiency. Um, we check CBC, which is a blood count, looking, making sure you're not anemic, making sure you don't have any sorts of infections, anything like that. We check um, a complete metabolic panel. You want to look at kidney enzymes, liver enzymes, all your electrolytes, you know, all, all these sorts of things that can play a factor over time. Make sure nothing's being damaged as well. And really important is the CBC, the complete blood count, if you're on testosterone, because you want to make sure that's in check, right? A few other things that we'll check from time to time, depending on the patient. You know, we check LH levels, uh, FSH levels. FSH. Yeah, these will show us, for the people listening, this, these will show us how well your body's, you know, producing testosterone on its own or, or estrogen on its own. So just for the listeners, LH is luteinizing hormone and FSH is follicle stimulating hormone. And we'll put some show notes in there for you for these guys. But these are these are things you really should know. It sounds like, oh my God, these are big scientific terms, but just like anything else we've talked about every episode, you, you, you want to know these terms. You want to come armed with information because if your general practitioner is not sharing these types of words with you mm -hmm. and educating you on them, uh, you need to either change practitioners or help them to let them know what you need to know about this. And, yes. And they will, they will help you get that. I, could, I couldn't agree more. I mean, education is a big part of my practice. We spend a lot of time with our patients. They, they leave understanding what's going on. Do you guys use, um, it, it, at serotonin, do you guys use any like Clomid or Clomid type products? So it really depends like on, on the five. So you, we, we could touch on that because I thought it was a great thing. And some of our listeners might be wondering or watching so clarity too. around, Hey, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're looking to improve your testosterone levels and, and, and or manage your estrogen levels, and if you are a younger male listening and you say, hey, well, I do still want to have a family, but my testosterone is lower than you know, optimized. And by, like Doc said, everyone is different. Like, you might, let's just say we call the average for the sake of this conversation 500, which is not that it's just an arbitrary number, by the way. Someone could feel phenomenal at 500. I personally, I'm crying in church like at 500 on Christmas Eve. Like, that's a true story, by the way. My testosterone okay. dropped after I moved back here and said, I had a lot of stress, my cortisol through the roof. And as I started to optimize my testosterone and do things to get my numbers above 800, then I felt incredible. Now, so using that baseline for, for just me personally, so let's just say you're at 500 orange and you don't go out there. There's other things you can do to improve it. You know, some people do HCG if, they're, if they want to have kids. And that is another way, Doc, right? Sometimes when they, if, and, and we've done this also, where if they do want to do some family planning, they can go on therapy 
and then you can use um, a compound called HCG, which will then, and Doc, I'll let you explain this. You, yeah, you get the side, you're the doc. Yeah, that's fine. It, it sounds like you have a very good understanding of it. So, <laughs> so HCG will continue sending that signal that your brain sends to your testicles, telling them to continue making testosterone. Whereas when you give someone exogenous testosterone, meaning testosterone from outside the body, then the brain recognizes that you have a lot of testosterone and it stops sending that signal to the testicles. And over time, the testicles are like, hey, I'm on, I'm, I'm on vacation. I'm not working out. They're going to get smaller, weaker, and less productive, right? Which will happen over time as you age regardless, right? So that For process, sure. I remember when I met Dr. Jacob, he said, okay, testosterone, you're able to optimize it really well doing what I'm doing. And that's what I did. I optimized the signal, right? That's what I was doing. And he said, but eventually that signal is not going to happen anymore. He goes, it's two places, your brain and, and your gonads. He goes, and one or both eventually are just going to stop. And that's just the aging process. And that's what you step in and you use an exogenous form. But I also want to clarify, Doc, because we can touch on that. The difference between SARMs and, and the exogenous types of therapies that we use that are bioidentical and harm replacement therapy, because what you said about the guys raging in the gym, that is not the type of testosterone therapy that we use or we recommend in our, no way. In our centers. Yeah. And, and, and so, they're, so you talk know, about that. So, I mean, if the first thing is those guys have different goals, right? These bodybuilder type guys, they're getting their testosterone level to uh, what we call supra therapeutic levels, levels that the body was never able to make in the first place. Right. I think the highest testosterone that I've tested naturally 1270, he's actually a colleague of mine. He's a doctor, but you look at him and you're like, yeah, that might be, you might be 1270. I mean, the dude's, uh, <laughs> Shout out to Dr. Foster if he's listening. He's a man. Um, uh, so, so we don't do that, right? We, we do optimized levels. So what was your body making when it was doing its best, you know, somewhere between 800 and 1,000 or something like that, right? Um, I'm sorry. So the question was... Uh, so so if they're using SARMs as yeah. opposed to, you know, bioidentical. The difference yeah, is there. So but it's, do you classify Clomid and, and these other things as SARMs as well? Well, not not really, as opposed to you know some of the, the what Let's, I call you know Jimbeck steroids, right? Like okay, that's, that's a whole different. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that the ultimate thing is that these guys are getting their levels overall way higher, and then they're also messing with their estrogen levels, which is a big part of this, right? Um, I think one of the things that good doctors in the hormone world do really well is make sure that men's estrogen levels are in check. You know, that's, it's just so important, man. I mean, you can do such harm and you can also not let them feel the benefits of testosterone if you're not, if you're not optimizing these things, right? I think some of these SARMs also people are buying like, I don't know where they're getting them, like really shady places, right? And that's the problem too, is when you, when you do these off-label, off-market things, you, you, you need to go to, to the right place. You need to go to a medical practitioner that's doing things on the books. It's the not right very place. expensive. I got to tell people, I mean, it's, it's not very expensive yeah. to get really good hormone therapy, like the... The best of the best is still not not terribly expensive. I agree. So let's let's just touch on the, the, the gosh. There's so many rabbit holes I want to jump into with, here with the doc. It's, it's crazy. I'll try to stay on track. This is this conversation I I, I love so much. So but let, let's just jump to um, the different types of hormone replacement therapy that we do. Right. Mm -hmm. that, that we do for you. So there's several ways to titrate. Let's just say testosterone, but the estrogen as well. And, and the common ways you'll hear about are injectable testosterone, you know, creams, mm -hmm. uh, patches, uh, pellets. So let's let's talk to uh, to the differences of the titration mm -hmm. and, and the benefits and some of the downside of each. Okay. Um, so let's just start with kind of a 
most topical and then go kind of inward from there, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously topicals, gels, creams. Um, people love them because there's no ouch involved in it, right? People are kind of scared of needles and procedures and stuff like that. Uh, but they're probably my, my least favorite. One nice thing about like some patches and creams is that you can find bioidentical forms in these. So that's kind of nice. Whereas in injectables, you really can't or it'd be really hard to. Um, but it's just so uncontrolled. Did you take a shower? Is your skin wet? Are you touching your pets? Do you have children, partners? I mean, this is a, that's a real thing. I mean, people imagine if it's absorbing that much through your skin, then it's also going to absorb when other people touch you. It's super, super dangerous, actually, in my opinion, especially for little kids and, and stuff like that. Yeah, we already, at Serotonin, we already prescribe the I don't either. creams because we, we don't think they're titratable. We don't, just what you said, the danger of transferability yeah. is just, it's crazy. I, I, I don't either. There, I have maybe two patients for one, you know, extenuating circumstances, basically. Um, so then injectables, right? So injectables, most common, you know, you see like testosterone, cypionate, right? That's the most common form in America by far. I think 90 something percent of all injectable testosterone is cypionate in this country. <clears throat> There's a few things with this. First of all, it's not bioidentical, meaning it's not the same molecular structure as pure testosterone. It, your body has always made and always used pure testosterone. This is what you get when we give you pellets. We give you, you look at the label, just as testosterone, like however many hundred milligrams. Whereas when you get the injectable form, it says testosterone, cypionate, however many milligrams. The reason they can't call it testosterone is because they've changed the molecular structure. It's no longer just testosterone. And that's like using cheap gas in your car. Right, you used to you say, imagine getting pure gasoline, like you know, like 100% pure gasoline, you know, like jet fuel, and then and then going down to like 87 all of a sudden. Yeah, it looks similar enough to your receptors that it's going to fire the receptors, but you have this like gunk left over, and like what is that doing? And some of the theories are saying that a lot of these side effects, potentially even like some of the reasons people get cancer and stuff like that, is potentially caused by um, some of these uh, some of these non-bioidentical forms. And then we also, in, in that group, you want to talk about the estrogens, right? And progest like progestin, you don't want, uh, estrace, um, premrin, which is called premrin because it come, this, is, this is still biological, but it's not bioidentical because it comes from a pregnant mare's urine. That's why it's called premrin, right? So these are, you kind of don't want to mess with these things because it's just not what your body's always made and used. Um, so that was injectables, right? Patches, I'll probably lump in with topicals as well. And then pellets. Pellets, they've been around forever, but they've probably got more popular over the past 10 years or so. Um, I definitely have some patients that obviously I haven't been treating them for 30 years, but they've been on pellets for 30 years. Okay. Um, so these are little tic-tac-like objects about this big. Estrogen is like a pebble. You almost can't even see it. Um, it's pure estradiol or pure testosterone, bioidentical, uh, most of them are derived from like a yam. They pull a yeah, steroid out of a yam. They somehow, don't ask me how these really smart people engineer it to be exactly the same molecular structure as your body's testosterone and estradiol. And then we can make a tiny incision that's like half a centimeter. And we push these little pellets through them. And then you're good for four months. It's crazy that we let non-medically trained individuals go home and start like injecting themselves and drawing needles and this to me it's crazy to me it's crazy you know plus plus what we're doing now is we're getting you up to like what we like again let's use men for the example is 800 to 1000 for testosterone and we're keeping you there 
and we're not spiking and we're not having troughs. And the spikes, as you know, are when you have all these side effects. Like, you know, you convert testosterone into DHT, for example. DHT is what causes people, men and women, to lose their hair. It's what causes men to have uh, enlarged prostates. It what causes, it's what's causing women to have more hair on their face or more acne, right? And when you're peaking, you're converting more of that testosterone into DHT. You're also, in men, converting more of that testosterone into estradiol, right? So these are the things that we want to avoid for men and women. So the pellets help you do that, as opposed to every time you get an injection that lasts a few days, uh, you know, a new injection, new injection, spike, spike, spike. Uh, you know, another thing that it causes is it causes your bone marrow to make more red blood cells, which makes your blood too thick, which is a risk for, you know, blood, heart, heart attacks high, and strokes, yeah, the right? High, the high hematocrit, yeah. right? Body. That's why you got to do your hematocrit levels. And, and then again, when you do all this stuff, that's why it's important to do it with a clip. Clinic that knows what they're really doing and, and looking at these things, you know, the, you know our, our standard labs have the medical test on it because we'd want to know, hey, some people, they just they have to go bloodlet. That's fine. They're okay with you with that. Mm -hmm. Don't need some blood and, and you're fine. And that's how you- Much less than pellets though. Yeah, it's much, much less than pellets. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if we had to classify them, I always say that the pellets are like the Rolls Royce, you know, certainly a more expensive procedure. And, and the example I remember, because I, I was at a clinic with Dr. Jeff and he, it shows like a bell curve, how you're- testosterone will titrate, right? So guys with my finger, if you're listening, I'm kind of drawing like this slow arcing, you know, uh, you know, it's like a, looks like a, like, a, um, like an upside down view, right? Where with other forms, it go, it spikes up and down. So I guess if you're going to be on injectable testosterone, so many are, and have done very, very well with it, you have to know how to manage that. And to Doc's point, to not get this DHT, which is dihydrotestosterone conversion, that creates all these, wreaks a little havoc on you. Sometimes you have to go to you go to lower dose, right? And sometimes you're injecting maybe twice a week. To At least twice back. a week. At yeah. least twice a week, and, which people don't want to do. Oh well, yeah, because yeah, and that's the thing. It's about tolerance. Some people are, are, are needle phobics, right? But if you're not and you're okay with doing some type of sub Q or intramuscular injection, mm -hmm. then you you go to lower dose. And again, your medical practitioner would certainly give you this this concept. But it's it helps to manage that. But there's so I say like the. You know, and, I, and again, you talk about testosterone sipinate, but there's great blends. Some countries, they don't even use it. They use only an ethic, right? Because it's just a, or endor propanate. So I know with us, we use a compounded version, which is a blend. We have an ethate and then we don't just do just sipinate. We do an ethate with propanate because we use these great compounds. Some people do great with injections. Again, you know, some people do, but <clears throat> if you're talking about what's the best, it's pellets for sure. And it's, again, set it and forget it, I say, right? So, you, you, like you said, you, you, you do the fellowship about after four months. It's, it is kind of a nice convenience. You have to wear your trap, like, hey, I'm going to bring my, my injections with me yeah, or work yeah. this one. And then you then you, you drop too low. You got to kind of get yeah, yourself back up. So, yeah. but all of it is certainly worth the difference. And I remember when, when my wife first started home with this therapy and Dr. Jeff, et cetera, he goes, you're going to be chasing this high for the rest of your life because that first time you feel better. And again, the, the, it's not that you're depressed, but you're not feeling so, your lights aren't on. You're not feeling that happiness, right? And it's a, if you use the great term, by the way, I've never heard that term. Anhedonia? So, yeah, I've never heard of that. So yeah. I'm so glad that'll be in the show. That's, that's, a, that's a new favorite word, by the way. That's, it's, it's a great one for people to know. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. So that's, those are the types of, you know, hormone replacement therapies. So that when you, you can come educated now and if you're asking the right questions, right? If, if you're if you're going to talk to your general practitioner and they, they refer you out, they may say, "Listen, we're not going to manage this. If you're going to do this, they'll say you have those walls. and that's fine. You know, you've got to find a practitioner that's going to be able to be meaningfully helpful for your goals." So the, the next question that I have for you, Doc, are you actually you, you covered? You were talking about side effects. We talked about that, and especially in men, 
and in women as well. But you talk about the conversion of DHT, but there's some supplements that can help about it. And, and you know, I found this so fascinating when I had learned about this and I, I had asked family members and friends of mine that were doing testosterone therapy. And I'm like, hey, are you taking DIN? Yeah, no, no, almost none of them are. What's, yeah, they, they go, what's DIN? And I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Because when I learned how incredible DIN was as a, as a supplement, yeah. and it's made from cruciferous vegetables, it's incredibly healthy yeah, yeah. just in general. Yeah. But Bob, tell, tell our listeners a little about what DIN does, what it is. Yeah, so as you said, it, it, it's basically an ingredient that's in or part of, you know, cruciferous vegetables. I think, you know, to get like the amount that you would get from taking supplements, talking about like a pound and a half of like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, which, you know, would be very hard to do. DIM works as a blocker of testosterone into estradiol, right? A lot of people convert, a lot of people are super converters. It, this happens in the fat tissue and the adipose tissue. So we almost know if someone's overweight, they're going to have a higher likelihood to do that. But like I was saying, a lot of people are super converters. So you'll see this like thin guy come in and they'll just be converting into a lot of estradiol. So you got to watch out for that as well. So taking this is a, um, a very light and easy way of preventing someone from making, from making too much estrogen out of their testosterone. Men and women both take this. Actually, I'll say way more women take this because um, when you do make estradiol or estrogen, it helps convert into the nice types of estrogen instead of the kinds that are kind of riskier and give you side effects. So a lot of young women who are um, uh, nowhere near menopause take this as a regular supplement for their kind of daily health. Yeah, it's better. And that, let's not, we don't want to estrogen the total end, right, Doc? Because estrogen is very cardioprotective. In fact, sure. Dr. J, he educated my wife. He's like, would well, he realize how, how, which, you know, again, coming through menopause at such an early age, uh, how dangerous it was for her to do nothing. He said, if you do nothing, he goes, you're putting yourself in a much higher risk for, for, for cardiovascular disease challenges because the protectiveness of estrogen. So can you talk just a tiny bit about that as well? Because it is, it's really important to have the balance. Yeah, you know, well, the thing to, to think about is after menopause, women's um, estrogen to testosterone ratio becomes very similar to that of a man's. And wow. their risk for heart attack and stroke goes from like one third of a man to exactly the same. So that was, you know, and I don't want you to forget the other protective benefit, neuroprotection. And bones, oh my God, I mean, nothing. There is no medicine out there, none of these injectables that works better than hormone therapy at keeping your bone density, women. I mean, that's such, if you're a, if you're a white, thin woman, you're almost undoubtedly going to have osteoporosis if you live long enough. And this would give you the supreme protection, actually. Yeah, it's, again, there's so many benefits. I say more so, and, and we see them given our, our centers, we have more women than men that, are, sure. that are clients. And and we're so thrilled about it. And again, maybe it's because I was so passionate about it when I created the company, you know, inspired by my wife's experience that I, because I saw what it did for her and so many of our, our female clients, how, how much, how credible, not only they feel, but how great they look, right? Because they, they start to put off some muscle mass, they're stronger. Yeah. You're talking about bone density, right? Yeah. If you can start resistance training as a female, <clears> I would always say that I was in the, from the gym business, we used to tell people, women, much more so than men need to reach the street because of what we just said. 100%. Guys can do yoga yeah. their whole lives. They'll do fine. Right. It's right. fine. It's, it, it, yeah, I mean, like, it's good to do resistance training. And you want to keep that muscle mass for yep. sure, but it's much yep. more important for women than men. So let's talk about a little bit so about supplementation. We, we touched on it with you know, something like DIM. There's another one that's a great one is for men is, is saw palmetto, right? Mm -hmm. To protect that, that prostate as well. Yes. I, so we get packets, like we have these packets that we give, 
they're called the Armos Rahim and the Armos Rahim. Each pack is designed specifically with methylated nutrients in there, dim is in there, uh, and it's twice a day. Like, you know, we, we break the dose up, like you said. And guys, there's all the little tricks to even just taking the supplements, timing, when you take it, mm. like making sure you take K2 with D3, because D3 is a great testosterone support. So, Doc, tell us a little about some of the, the supplements that are beneficial or support with testosterone, testosterone levels of therapy. Yeah. So, you know, vitamin D is kind of like a steroid per precursor. You need these things just like you need your cholesterol actually to make testosterone and estrogen and all these things. Um, one of the th uh, so for that reason, D three, like you said, K two helps you absorb more D three. So that's the reason for the K two, right? Um, one of the things that I like that's in the same cascade is that if you are a kind of high cortisol person, I know I told you I don't do a lot of cortisol, but this is one of the things that I like. You make your cortisol from the same substrates that you're making your testosterone and estrogen and stuff like that, right? So if you're high stress, pumping out all this cortisol, you're using all of the materials needed to make your other sex hormones to make cortisol. So these other things are going to be lower. So there are supplements um, like ashwagandha, like rhodiola, and then a host of other things. There's a bunch of them out there. But those are the ones that I really like that will help inhibit the production of cortisol and leave more of that substrate so you're making more testosterone and estrogen. And those are really nice. These are usually... You know, it's almost the same exact formula that you see labeled as testosterone boosting or cortisol calming. Very often you'll see those, right? Um, the DIM is a really big one. Vitamin D is a big one, obviously. I'm a big fish oil guy. I know there's been some, like, contradicting evidence these days on that stuff. Um, but it's I, – I, I don't think you can change my mind on that, to be honest. Um, uh, what else do we do a lot of supplements-wise? I'm I'm kind of big on the NAD boosting stuff too. Yeah, I'm big on the NAD. Are you, are you guys into that? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm a fan. We okay. we have a couple of, of different supplements that that we carry mm -hmm. that as far as our live with you know it's I also you know whether we we do inject will we do IV drip with NAD yeah 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 stuff. but but just there's just again talking about mitochondria that's a whole nother conversation right getting into how we hack pack that up a little bit but I'm just a big fan of proper supplementation. Because I always say you can, with vitamin nutritional supplementation, you can minimize the amount of medication needed and get the maximum efficacy out of it because you're you're improving how it's absorbed, yeah. you're improving its pathway. You know, you put a, a methylated a methylated nutrient we use is very specific. Yeah, I think most people don't realize that methylation is a big part of it. So oh, we should talk about that too. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about methylation because it, that's a, that's a big. Big word, and yeah. you could put some notes on it. But tell us, Doc. So, so the the big one that people think about here is a, is B vitamins, right? Like B twelve and folate, which is also another B vitamin. And um, there are a lot of people out there who have a mutation in the gene called MTHFR, right? I think the R stands for reductase. You can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. I don't know if we had. We have my, a, my wife has this. My wife has a six fat child. That's a whole story. Does she? Okay, so we, we, yeah, yeah. And it's a big deal because whatever B twelve you eat is not being absorbed. And, and I don't care if you're eating it from grass fed cows or non grass. Like, it doesn't matter where it comes from. If you're eating, you know, B twelve, you're, you're not absorbing it. So these people need either injectable slash IV forms for their B vitamins, or they need it to be pre methylated, which is the step that your body is not capable of doing. So you pre-methylate it, man, is it a cheap and easy uh, supplement though? I mean, you're talking about like 20 bucks a month for high quality, you know, B vitamins that are pre-methylated. 
So you take them, and that is very, I don't want to say life-changing, but, you know, it makes a huge no, difference. It's, it's life-changing. That, yeah. That's the perfect term. It's yeah. life-changing. Yeah. When we started really diving into the, to the supplements and, and getting to medical-grade supplements, and folks, this is not the stuff they're going to find on the shelf at the popular name brand like GNC or pick a, pick a place. You really, and, and, and maybe some of the places will, but we're talking about medical-grade supplements that, you know, but that are really qualified and understood by people like the, the, the doc here like, that we're talking about. And third-party tested. And third-party tested, exactly. That's another huge yeah. one, huge one. So not not all by the but I've said that before, and I'll say it until the day I die, because I know I've just been around that for a long time mm. in the fitness industry. And one of the things I noticed and I learned, because we realized it with Kemp, right? She, you know, she had high CRP or homocysteine, right? Was, yep. was, was off the exactly with one of the, what happens when you, when you have these challenges, this MTHR that Doc is talking about, your homocysteine is the, usually the marker that you, you can pick it up and say, hey, there's a flag here. And then you start looking deeper and then you you can you can do it, the test for it. But when she started taking methylated folate, it's, even during pregnancy, right? She wasn't absorbing it because they just gave oh. her regular B vitamins, right? Here's oh, her shoot. prenatals. They're not methylated. Yeah. So it, it was such a, it was a shame. And now, no, what we know now, we're like, wow. Um, but even our, like, it's, it's in our packet. Like, when you look at your B12, like, it just, just look for the word methyl. Yeah. <laughs> it just says the yeah. word, it just says methyl before it. And yeah. There's the, that's the magic word you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's an incredible difference. And, and yeah, I, this, this is the purpose of this podcast, right? To educate you so you can shop better. You can ask better questions. You yeah. It's a good question. And then, and the one other question around this is, is we're not like dietary changes Do you, when people start hormone replacement therapy, change anything in their, in their nutrition. I try to change, you know, there's a few rules, whether you're on or not on hormone replacement therapy that I think are kind of like hard rules, right? One is calorie consumption. We know for sure people that eat less calories live longer. This is like for, you know, it's like a, you know, think about two cars made the same exact year, but one's been driven a hundred thousand miles and one's been driven 20,000 miles. The one that's been 20,000 miles is, is a younger car, right? It's eating less gas, right? I'm not saying don't eat. And you work out, you get hungry and all that stuff for sure. But what I'm saying is don't overindulge that often, okay? You don't need a 22-ounce steak. I promise. That's a big steak, okay? I've done it I've done it before also. But, you know, you only need a few ounces of steak to get a good amount of protein and a, and a lot of the benefits, the amino acid profile, all that stuff that we're talking about. And then, so I'm big on the grass-fed stuff, you know, um, if it's, you know, beef, grass-fed, if it's chickens, uh, we're talking about, um, we're talking about um, pasture-raised chickens, eggs, stuff like that. I think you're getting a lot more nutrition out of them. And then also, you're getting a lot less toxins, right? So, so beef, which is a fatty meat, carries a lot of, all animals, they carry their toxins, they keep them in their fat. And if you're eating kind of garbage, you're going to carry that in your fat, then you're eating that. Whereas if you're eating, you know, grass-fed beef, you're getting, you know, a lot less of that stuff. Um, We talked about calories, you know, I'm I'm not a vegan guy at all. I I like eating meat. I just try not to eat huge amounts of it at once. Um, I like intermittent fasting. I know it's not for everyone. But I like we it. Just did a, we just did a whole episode on it. We yeah. dropped the whole episode on it. It's, it's, I, I, I think it's fascinating. Caloric restriction, intermittent fasting, we talked about both, but, mm. but intermittent fasting is 
It's been around a while, but it's gotten so popular that we did an episode on it. I, I think part of the benefit of intermittent fasting is that you typically eating less calories if you do it. I think that's I think that's probably where you get some of the benefits. Um, but I also feel like you feel sharper. A lot of these guys that like hunt and stuff, they like to go out on an empty stomach because they feel that kind of driving force to like help them go catch something. You know what I mean? And and I feel I feel great the whole morning, even if I work out hard and the more I do my jujitsu in the mornings. I wake up early. I wake up at like five, do my jujitsu, go to work, and I'm fine now. Now that I'm used to it, I'm fine until twelve o'clock, and I feel good. That's what your father said. Once you get used to it, it's funny. A friend of mine, he called me after he listened to the episode. He goes, "Help!" I was telling somebody, "Goes, I, I, it took me like a like a week or so to get used to it." He goes, "Now, I guess I can't eat before I train anymore. Because I can't even do it." And we talked about that on the episode. Yeah. I, I, I did the same thing. I in never in a million years would never at least have a protein shake before I train like up. And now I like I can't eat anything before I train because I'm yeah. so used to training fasted. Yeah. And I just do very well and tour suppression. I love it. And then and then I flush myself with the meal, you know, essential amino acids after it. And you know, I, I get what I need, still staying in a no caloric restriction, but I'm done fasting at that point. But it's it's a great form of so yeah. and, and I think it's better if you're on home release with therapy, I also think you have a much better chance of staying anabolic, right? So you're, you're probably not going to catalyze your muscle because you are in such a highly anabolic state. I mean, we're, look, uh, as you get older, it gets harder to keep your muscle for sure. You know, for me right now, it's not, you know, if anything, it's just helping me stay lean. Yeah. You know, I'm not losing any muscle from doing this right now. I still eat, you know, a good-sized meal for lunch and a good-sized meal for dinner, and I work out hard during the day. I love it. I love it. So, Doc, let's let's kind of we'll we'll button this up with, with what someone should expect. So, if someone's going to go in for a consultation, right? Yeah. Like they go, they come to a place like ours, and they they they're going to ask the question, what should they expect in their consultation, right? So they're going to get their let's just say they they've gotten their labs done, right? They, they have the conversation, and some people will say, I, and I've heard this, you probably heard it a bunch of times. Although I already gotten my labs, and they come and they show up at their labs, and you can't use fifty percent of it because if you're it's missing. 50% of what you actually yeah, yeah. So you send them to get their blood work. Now you have a consultation. What should they expect at that consultation? Talk uh, about the male and the female. Okay. So, so, you know, the things that we talk about in the initial consultation are a big one for me. What are your goals? You know, I want to know what you want to get out of this. And then I want to set realistic expectations for you. Some people think they're going to like come here and they're going to be able to like fly when they leave or something. You know what I mean? Like, no, you're going to have to work out hard. You're going to have to eat right if you want these benefits, you know, giving you testosterone. Sure. You know, if you're still sitting on the couch, it might like increase your sex drive or something like that and, and make you feel a little bit sharper, but it's not, you're not getting like 75% of the benefits of it. If you're not utilizing, you know, the, the workouts and stuff like that. Right. So that's a huge part of it. Um, so then I'll give you some, I'll, I'll tell you about different options. Um, if you already have labs and you're good to go and everything looks good and you want to do pellets that day, I'll do that for you same day, you know, in those cases. But usually someone comes in the first time, we talk about what their goals are, we talk about expectations. I tell them what I can do for them, whether it's pellets or peptides or weight loss. You know, weight loss is a big thing these days. Um, or I just do kind of integrative consults sometimes. Like, hey, like, let's check all this. Can we help you with vitamins? Can we help you with lifestyle? Stuff like that. Yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of a lot of times, I think people it's they, they get a little anxious because they don't know like what to expect. How does this whole work? Is because they're not. Well, this week I I listened to some of the five people call in and, and the questions they ask, and they're saying all the right things, but they they have no direction because 
there was no handbook for this. Like we've all grown up in this specific medical environment, right? Like maybe you get a physical once a year. It's like you said, typical stuff we just talked yeah. about. If you're, yeah. if you, if, if you're in this like huge boundary, like nothing is happening. Like, okay. See you next year. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait, um, and, and, and all of this information that's out there and available just goes undiscussed, unnoticed, untalked about, uncovered. So you know, knowing and listening uh, about you know, to some of the things that we talked about today, hopefully, you know, some of you, you know, took a little bit of a notepad. I always say, you know, we look for the nuggets of, of information when, when you listen to this podcast, any podcast. Uh, if you grab one or two things, um, hopefully, if the doc had said, it, it'll be helpful. If it makes you a more educated consumer, that's what we're looking for. But yeah, when I always say you have to know your numbers, we're actually going to do an episode on know your numbers. And yeah. we're talk about all the different numbers that are really important because you really need to understand that. And great medical practitioners like Doc, they're going to help you through that. And we have in our, our centers as well. It's very intentional. Uh, this is something that I think is, is certainly the future of how people will have to appreciate their health. Because if you don't understand this stuff, you're just... You're gonna you're gonna stay on that. I say you're on that, you're gonna stay on that same path unless you do something to learn about you know, another path. And you have to have that map, and the map comes from this kind of information. And, and Doc, you probably see like you iterate, you know, the program as it goes. It, it doesn't end at the first consultation, right? So after you do that, they come back, and then what do we do? We do more blood work, and then you review it again. Yep. And then you have another sit down. Yeah. And another conversation. Yeah. Because it's rare. You, you, you might not optimize it perfectly. You know, day you know, session one. You know, and then you know, that's why you can give it. Next, okay, we're going to look at the lab six weeks later. Do you usually do a six-week month lab, I yeah. assume? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. And then, then you look at it, and then you see. And that's the difference. A lot of a lot of places, and I know people that are on, that go to, like, the general practitioner, and they get hormones, you know, injectable testosterone, and then like, there's there's no other follow-up. And, and, like, my own, you know, it's actually my own brother. We, we, I was like, you know, we have this, like, you know, we all know people that, like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, someone's still started hormones. I'm like, yeah, or... Are they digging in? Like, what was their second set of labs look like? What was the change? What was the delta yeah, from it's... A to B? Like, what? they have no idea. Like, and they're all the same therapy, right? Everyone's taking the same exact. Everyone's on the exact same thing. It drives me nuts, man. But that's again, that's that's kind of the difference between optimization and replacement, for the most part. Yeah. You know, even replacement should be a little bit more in depth than that. But yeah. when we're talking about like, hey, I want you to like be the you know, most vibrant version of yourself. Like I want you to be that guy that you imagine yourself or that woman that you imagine yourself uh, being when you think about like, I'm sharp, I'm feel good. I look good. I, I do all those things. So that's, that's kind of my goal here, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like, listen, the acronym is HRT, right? We call it HOT. Like it's a, like, but everyone knows hormone replacement therapy, but it's really hormone optimization therapy. Yeah. Right? It's really, it's really hot on HRT. Yeah. So, yeah. so Doc, where can our listeners find you at, if they want to check you out? Are you on Instagram anywhere? You, I'm you on everything, man. Yeah. We're very okay. active on Instagram, social media. So, uh, so what's your personal profile? So they can, it's, they, it's they true MD, follow you. TRU, uh-huh. un, uh, TRU underscore MD. That's at TRU underscore MD. Um, I think it's also TRU underscore MD on TikTok and Facebook. Um, we also on YouTube. I think that's TRU space MD. Uh, and then truemd.com, trumd.com is our website. Um, I'm very active on social media. If you reach out to me, I'll, I'll answer back typically in, you know, within an hour or two. Um, a lot of people have a lot of different questions. Sometimes I'll say, hey, this is a big question. Maybe we should have an appointment. I do telemedicine. Um, I got patients all over the country, um, so we do a lot of telemedicine as well. Hormones, peptides, integrative consults, uh, whatever it takes to help you look and feel good, um, you know, make you that 
the most vibrant, healthy, healthy version of yourself. That's awesome. And, and Doc, your, your last name, Dr. Satari, I, it took me like 13 times to, to pronounce it the yeah. same, right? But, yeah. but I got, I got to thank you. I mean, Doc, I, I can't tell you how appreciative I am for you taking the time, um, spending with us and, and, and helping you educate our, our listeners and, and, and viewers for this. This topic is so important. Um, it, it's it, again, for me, I, I, I've watched it witnessed how it just, it could change so many people. It's changed, you know, in my own family, I've, I've watched what it's done. It's, it's been incredible. Uh, I will tell you that there's, and there's also a lot of literature, right? Doc, before we end this, that there's lots of books out there. There, We keep a couple of books around our centers. Um, one of the better books that, that that's out there, um, it's called The Secret of Hormone. It's for women. It's that red book. It's got a red cover uh, written by a female uh, OBGYN, and she really takes a, a female perspective to it. Uh, we just, we have a constant order of that from Amazon. If you just give it away, any client wants to either take it home, wheelchair care if you return it or not. Mm. It's on every you know, coffee table in our place. Cool. But there's a lot of great literature also that kind of debunks some of the crap that scared people away from I know. doing this. That, you know, what a, what a disservice we did um, to people with, with some of this bad research, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and now we're, you know, trying to make up for it. But it's slow. And when you scare people like that, you know, it's, it's slow to to uh, to make them comfortable again with the idea yep so doc again thank you so much for taking the time to be with us i I, i'm so appreciative everyone i hope you've enjoyed this latest episode of aging backward growing forward Uh, we will continue to try to bring you value education knowledge to continue to optimize your health span our goal is to keep you living longer and healthier the entire time Uh, so until next time we'll see you again